Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for the week of July 7th. I'm Logan Finney. Last year, representatives of the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of state government combined their efforts to address mental health issues in the state in the form of the Idaho Behavioral Health Council. That group has been meeting monthly, and last week they released a strategic action plan that covers a wide range of issues in mental and behavioral health. Our producer, Ruth Brown, has been following that council for Idaho Reports and joins me today to discuss the recommendations for state government. Thanks for joining me, Ruth. Of course. So, top level, can you explain for me what exactly is this Behavioral Health Council? Who are the stakeholders at the table here? Of course. The governor uh, issued an executive order in 2020 establishing the Behavioral Health Council. The Supreme Court of Idaho also issued an order and proclamation uh, confirming that, and there was a concurrent resolution passed by the legislature in 2020 also confirming the need for the Behavioral Health Council. Largely, they were tasked with looking at the needs in Idaho, whether they are residential or community-based or the needs of individuals who are coming out of prison uh, or folks that are in the courts, and there could be intervention earlier on. So uh, they were tasked with with quite the, the broad list of recommendations, and on Tuesday, last Tuesday, they uh, passed those recommendations and they will be forwarded to the governor and legislative leadership and um, the chief justice of the Supreme Court. I remember last year when this Behavioral Health Council was very first announced, a lot of the conversation was around um, opioid use is a big issue we hear about in the state. The high suicide rate is an issue that we hear about in the state. So I, th- I think it is promising that we are having these conversations and looking forward And so how did we get to the strategic action plan? Like I said in the opening, they've been having monthly meetings. What areas have they specifically been looking at? Sure, so initially they broke out into working groups to look at uh, individuals with substance use disorders. They looked at state commitments. They looked at the needs of uh, individuals who have been in the correctional system and the court system. Uh, Do you want me to kind of go through some of their recommendations or? Yeah, that would be great. So again, it is broad reaching, but I think they were focusing on uh, recovery and collaboration and treatment. Uh, They wanted to work on some promotion around, uh, I guess, combating some of the stigma around getting uh, treatment for mental health needs or uh, individuals with substance use disorders. Uh, They were looking at uh, public agencies as well as community partners and how the two can work together. Listeners may be a little confused because we're talking in very broad and very vague terms here, but that really is what this Behavioral Health Council was assigned. They were assigned to look at from beginning to end the full spectrum, the full continuum of care, a really holistic approach. And this seems like a novel approach for Idaho. We're not just talking about one specific drug program or one specific youth facility. We're talking about rehauling the entire system. We are. In reference to youth, for example, uh, Idaho has invested in several crisis care standard, excuse me, crisis care centers around the state. The issue with that is Uh, children under the age of 18 cannot legally be treated at those crisis care centers. So if a uh, child, a teenager is in crisis, where do they go? There's not a facility for them and it's it's a harsh reality but the reality is is that not every child in Idaho has a parent that would be the person to go to in those scenarios and so 
what are some other alternatives? What are some routes that we can provide kids to um, seek mental health care or even uh, treatment for addiction, those kind of things? That is a reality that our youth are facing. Let's move into the youth-specific recommendations. What sort of things for youth behavioral health are we looking at here? So among other recommendations, uh, they wanted to look at what's called adverse childhood experiences, commonly called ACEs. And the task force decided that they wanted to review uh, data on Idaho ACEs and uh, ensure that education and outreach are available for kids with uh, adverse childhood experiences, looking at providing data regarding it, but also uh, educating the public about that and expanding behavioral health services for uh, youth that are in situations that are out of home placements, whether that be foster care or adoption, ensuring that kids have access to this. Idaho also has a real demand for um, in-state residential treatment facilities for children that have serious uh, mental illnesses. For a long time, there was no in-state uh, residential treatment center for youth, and so if there was a child with a serious mental illness, he or she would need to be sent to a facility out of state, which of course then separates the child from his or her family. and The family, uh, the school, the larger community, it really uproots a person, yeah. Yeah, so they talked a lot about ways to um, prevent these kind of things. How can we do outreach for youth? How, uh, what kind of services can we provide in schools? Uh, and there's some controversy around that as well. It kind of comes down to the district. There are some districts that would be supportive of, supportive of that, but there are other districts uh, that perhaps don't feel they have the time or the resources to provide behavioral health services. And some feel it, it wouldn't be their place to do that. So. You have to strike a balance and kind of look at what that community wants, what that community's needs are. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see in your article here that one of the things you mentioned is flexible funding for uh, to support emotionally disturbed youth. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. Uh, something they focused on was recovery. And uh, these children who have experienced adverse childhood experiences will grow up to be adults. So how can we help them? Uh, move forward and be contributing members of society and something they talked about was promoting long-term resiliency uh, which would be helping these children deal appropriately with some of the trauma that they've uh, experienced and a tool for that would be uh, focusing on the importance of positive childhood experiencing uh, helping them uh, move forward so then moving on from the youth area, we've also got some recommendations around substance use disorders. Yeah, specifically they looked a lot at uh, some of the mental health courts and um, drug courts that are available in Idaho, how we can increase community awareness, uh, and largely making sure that um, treatment for individuals who have a substance use disorder is accessible and affordable. That was a fundamental problem in Idaho throughout the working groups. I think finding treatment is not an easy thing. Uh, finding a certified behavioral health specialist is not easy in rural areas. And so the council talked a lot about uh, 
How can we make this easier for people, accessible so that we can better our community as a whole? So one of the things you mentioned there is there's something of a lack of providers within the state. So what, what are the council's recommendations for helping to build up that stock of, of behavioral health specialists that we have? Sure. Uh, the Behavioral Health Council talked at length about a comprehensive workforce plan, which would uh, largely increase the number of certified and licensed behavioral health professionals across Idaho. And by doing that, you would be able to better um, provide services for Idahoans to have the full continuum of care. So, I mean, as, as we well know, um, if an individual is in need, uh, has a serious mental health issue, is struggling with addiction, these are ongoing issues that this person will continue to need care for. So letting them out of a rehabilitation center on their own and never providing any follow-up or care is an ongoing issue. And so um, the certified behavioral health professionals uh, could theoretically increase uh, their ability to provide that ongoing continuum of care. I think there just needs to be more follow-up. People need the resources. So you mentioned a continuum of care. And so what, what does that look like? Uh, well, for example, uh, something that, uh, that several council members brought up was providing individuals care, for example, uh, if they are incarcerated, once they are released, is there any caseworker available to follow up with that person? Um, when individuals are incarcerated, they can be prescribed medication and they'll be regularly uh, provided said medication while incarcerated. Is there uh, a follow-up plan to continue to offer these individuals resources? So that's just one example. Um, there are other uh, examples as well of uh, individuals who need ongoing care and simply either don't have the resources or the availability to uh, find the care they need. Uh, and I think that's been an ongoing problem in Idaho for some time. So while the council's recommendations certainly aren't a cure-all and they're not going to fix every issue in the state, the strategic plan will do just that. It will theoretically provide a roadmap for how we should move forward. How are we uh, going to uh, address some of these long-term ongoing issues and what do we want to invest our money in? So then now that we have the strategic action plan and we have kind of some some guiding principles of where to go from here. What are the next steps? What are the next steps for the Behavioral Health Council and for, for actually implementing these in communities in Idaho? Sure, so they have created a timeline for theoretically when they would want to see these um, different recommendations put in place. They're uh, set to develop an implementation plan by October 1st. Uh, like I said, they've met with Governor Little as well as Chief Justice uh, Bevins with the Supreme Court and the legislative leadership will be in town next week. They will receive a copy of this. Um, while the departments can apply for grants, federal funding, those kind of things, at the end of the day, all of the appropriation comes down to the legislature. So 
What they will have legislative support for, I think, uh, remains a question. There were four legislators on the uh, council, but four is not a quorum, and four <laughs> people won't pass a bill either. So Four out of 105 lawmakers is not a very big sample size, you're right. Yeah, there. so, you know, I can't, I can't speak to what 105 lawmakers may or may not do, um, but, I mean, we can't ignore that some of the recommendations they are making would be quite expensive. Getting uh, more providers, uh, creating residential treatment options, all of these things cost money, and how do you fund them? So we have a broad range of recommendations and, and plans for the future. Why should people take an interest in this? What, what is the, the possible outcome here? Sure, so you mentioned a couple reasons earlier. Y you mentioned the opioid uh, epidemic, which the council did uh, talk about quite a bit. Uh, and aside from the fact that uh, drug use can destroy families and um, there are fatalities connected to it, you could also look at it from the perspective of if people do live, it's not in the best interests of Idaho's uh, children. Uh, if those individuals are incarcerated, which obviously um, opioid use is illegal, that costs money to the state. It just comes out of a different pool. If that's coming out of the Department of Correction budget or juvenile correction budget, uh, or you know, health and welfare is funding foster care because that person is in custody, one way or another, the state is gonna have to pay for this. And if we want a healthy uh, society and educated youth that are moving forward together in a collective way, we're going to have to fund it one way or the other, so we might as well fund it on the front end and keep Idahoans healthy. They talked a lot about the economic impact that individuals who are struggling with mental illness can have on the uh, community as a whole. For example, if uh, folks haven't had ongoing medical care and they do have a serious mental illness, sometimes um, our emergency responders end up getting called. That's money that has to be spent funding emergency responders and they land in the ER. That comes out of the indigency fund. So there, there are better ways to take care of Idahoans and it needs to be funded one way or another. So I think the question is, where do you want to pull the funding from? How does the state address behavioral health proactively instead of reactively? Or is it both? Uh, there are some issues that need to be re addressed uh, reactively, but yes, I would argue that much of the plan is uh, focusing on being proactive. Uh, much of it, as I said, uh, focused on you know children that had had these adverse experiences. How can we make them uh, get through that and move on to be um, productive adults as they can be, but they need some help doing so. Um, very well. Well, Ruth, thank you for joining me today. Of course, you and I will continue to follow the Behavioral Health Council and these recommendations once they make it to the legislature and implementation in the years to come. If you're interested in learning more about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, I invite you to go to IdahoPTV.org and search for the program Resilient Idaho is a special that came out recently. And you can find Ruth's article on the Behavioral Health Council's recommendations, including the full 43-page document at blog.idahoreports.idahoptv.org. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks. 
presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.